When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Wednesday, September 20th, and we are here trying to help you make better financial decisions. Uh, also, just a little heads up, the Federal Reserve is meeting today. They will conclude the meeting at 2 p.m. Eastern time. I expect, and I've written so much stuff ahead of time, so I really hope this pans out. I expect that the Fed will not do anything. I know that you're freaked out about gas prices being higher again. It stinks. But I think the Fed's going to look past that. I think they're going to basically say, we need to see how more data come in. We want to make sure that the economy is absorbing this 22-year high in interest rates. And you know why do anything right now anyway? So much is in flux. And a lot of the a lot of the internals of the inflation report really did look a lot better than expected. So I know the energy part stinks, but everything else seems to be moving in the right direction. So uh, that's what we have today. Uh, okay. We love to hear from you. If you would like to join us on the air, all you need to do is go to jillonmoney.com, click the contact us button, complete the form. If you want to come on the air, you check the box. If you don't want to come on the air, that's okay, because sometimes we do emails, and emails are a great way to answer your questions without forcing you to come on the air. But really, it's so much better when you come on the air. Mark, I forgot to do this. I had a, a thank you note sent to me, forwarded to me by my friends at CBS News. You know, it's always amazing to me that I get any mail because the building is vast. Nobody's in there anymore. And somehow or other, this came to me. And this is from a caller who said, I just want to thank you for the advice you gave me in our call yesterday. I'm not going to tell you who it is. I love your holistic approach to financial planning. It's so helpful. Your advice will help me keep and preserve my nest egg. And I love that. Also, just have to say, you're good at what you do. 
I'm impressed with your verbal communication skills. Got that, Mark? Those skills are the ones you can't stand sometimes. Your ability to answer questions and give audience advice on the fly in a conversation in an easy to understand fashion is such a talent. Anyway, I'm going to keep listening and thanks again for the advice. And P.S., Thanks also to Mark. I know how important his role is. That was just a long-winded way of me to say to you all, it's fun when you come on the show. It's fun for us. We like doing your emails also, but wow, what a nice uh, note of thanks. And we really do appreciate that. Feel good, right, Mark? That's the first one in 12 years of doing this. No, I've gotten Definitely the first one that mentions my name. Uh, but you know what? I'm thinking, I think I have gotten one from the radio show. Also have gotten letters from prison. Anyway, thank you so much for your thank you. My grandmother used to send a thank you to a thank you card. It was very funny. Anyway, we appreciate that. And if you come on the air, we'll be happy to chat with you. If you don't, we're going to answer emails. In fact, today we're going to do some emails. This is from Sandra, who says that uh, I started contributing to my only child's 529 account when she was born. And I've worked very hard to ensure that she would have enough to attend any school she chose. Thanks to an academic scholarship and her choice of a state school, there's still over $90,000 left in that account, and she's finished her education. I've heard that she can use the money to fund a Roth IRA beginning in 2024. There will still be more money left over. Is there any way we, as the responsible savers, can access the money for our own retirement? This is a great question. So um, let's just go over the rules that came from the SECURE Act 2.0. And the rules are that if you have leftover money in a 529 account, the beneficiary, your daughter, will be able to contribute on an annual basis uh, up to $35,000. So you're right. That leaves you with extra money. So if you access the excess money, you know, beyond whatever it is, the 35000 and maybe it'll change between now and the time that she's finished taking that money and pushing it into a Roth, then you'll pay a penalty. Okay, big deal. Pay the penalty. And if you had any sort of tax deduction from your state of residence, you'd have to basically pay that back too. But that's not so bad. And you can get the money and use it for whatever you want. I, I will say, I'm assuming that they've done this, but when there's a scholarship involved, like say she got a you know a $25,000 scholarship, well, then they can take $25,000 out of that $529 without a penalty. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, is that is that every single $529 or is it state specific? No, I think that's across the board. See, I learn something new every day. So check that out. Maybe you can get an exclusion. Fantastic. All right. This is from Linda, who writes that she's been listening to the podcast daily for the last couple of years. She says, I've loved it. I've learned so much and I'm starting to feel more confident in my financial decisions. It's priceless. Oh, what a nice note. Thank you for that, Linda. Okay. So here's what's going on. Linda writes, I just turned 65 and I'm widowed. I'm still working, but planning to retire at the end of this year, maybe early next. I currently have a million dollars in brokerage accounts. 1.3 1.3 million in pre-tax IRAs and about $250,000 in cash. My house worth about a half a million dollars is paid off. No debt. Mm, boy, is that nice. I will take survivor social security benefits when I retire and that will be $3,000 a month. And then I'll switch to my benefit at age 70, which would be approximately $4,500 a month. 
I also have a small pension, $1,700 a month. I need about eight or $9,000 for expenses. So here are my two questions. The timing of my retirement date could be flexible. Is it better to retire before the end of 2023 or into 2024? What are the pros and cons of each? Second question, my financial advisor wants me to fund the gap in money from retirement to age 73 when I start taking required minimum distributions by draining two-thirds of my brokerage account. Is this the best approach? Should I start to take distributions from my IRAs during this time too? If my goal is to leave some of the money for my children, isn't it better to leave the brokerage money since they will get the step up in cost basis upon my death? Well, Linda, very good question. So, I mean, there's two different ways to think about it. Um, I don't know what your kid's tax bracket is. So, and it's hard to imagine what, you know, we don't really know much about, you know, where tax rates are going. So I think that maybe, in this particular scenario, uh, I might start pulling some of the money out of my pre-tax account because, you know, you'll be able to then pay the tax due at a known rate. And so let's think about this. You're 65 and then you think about that. Let's pretend you're going to work you know, through the end of this year, it doesn't really matter. I don't think it matters whether you do the end of 23 or into 24. It doesn't really matter. But let's, let's just say you're done at the end of this year, because I like calendar year ends, boom, done. Now in 2024, what happens is you get this, uh, the survivor benefits. Okay, so you get $3,000 a month. So we now need to come up with a five or $6,000 a month for your expenses. So if you start pulling money out of your pre-tax IRAs and start paying tax on that, I think that that might be a better idea because it will reduce your required minimum distributions in the future. We know the money's going to come out at 22, 24%. I think that that would be my actual preference. I agree with you. So I'm going to say I would flip it. I would take the, um, the money out of retirement, pay the tax that's due and move on. Now, the thing is, I just want to make sure that as we consider this, that we're really, um, I guess, making sure that you're okay. Because, you know, when you get to your age 70 and you have $4,500 a month, you're still going to have to pull a chunk of money out of these accounts, right? So you'll have your $4,500. You'll have to obviously keep taking some money out. And we just want to make sure that they're, you're being methodical about that. And maybe, of course, you know, 70 to 73, you keep doing your IRAs and, and you should be okay. I think everything is fine. I don't want to go too crazy about like your goal about leaving money for your kids. I think first you make sure that you're okay. Then we go to the kids. The pros and cons about like when you retire, the actual day and triggering that, I don't think it makes a huge difference. Stop working when you want to stop working and you should be fine. Okay, Jim is writing about required minimum distributions. He says, I'm at 69 years old, how do I move money from an IRA to my Roth, but making sure I stay below the Medicare extra premium, the fee that's imposed, the tax that's imposed? If it triggers a large tax payment, can you pay that at the time when you file? Okay, let's go into this. I got to take out my little Ed Slot chart here. I don't know how much money you have, but this is what we call Irma, Irma, I know, income-related monthly adjustment amount. 
it depends how much you're going to convert. Money that is converted would be considered income and therefore that may trigger the IRMA surcharge. So I don't know if you are married or single, but um, the IRMA surcharge, let's say that you have $97,000 or less, no surcharge. Uh, Once you go above $97,000 in income, that's when you start triggering the IRMA and you can look at the chart and you can just try to stay below it or you just pay it. And maybe it's better to do that than worry about what happens to tax rates in the future. So I think it's worth considering. I think that when we generally have had to manage these questions, I think that by and large, we'd rather you pay IRMA than worry about where tax rates might go in the future. I just, I think that that's mostly been our experience. Okay, here is our last email of the day. It's the old Roth versus traditional. It's from Erica who writes, Hi, Jill and Mark. I absolutely love your podcast. I know you've answered variations of this question a million times, but I would very much appreciate your insight and also help settle a debate between me and my partner. (laughs) Okay, Erica's the high earner. She puts all of her 401k contributions into the Roth option. Partner thinks I should get the tax benefits of the traditional option. Here are the stats. Erica's 33, lives with and shares a life with partner, not married, finances are separate. Recently moved from Massachusetts to California, have always been in a pretty high tax state. Work in finance, sound familiar, Mark? Base salary, $190,000, bonus anywhere from $70,000 to $100,000, about a fifth or 20% is RSUs. Income is expected to continue increasing at a minimum to match inflation, but there are opportunities for promotions and bigger jumps. So let's just like first tell everybody at 190,000, Erica being single, her top bracket right now is she'll claim the single, the standard deduction, right? Is she's in the 24% bracket. She says, I max out my Roth each year. She said, from listening to your show, the rest of my cash goes into a brokerage account since the traditional IRA doesn't seem worth it. I totally agree with that. That's beautiful. 401k has about 200 grand. Oh, I own a home in mass. I'm currently renting out. The rent covers the mortgage. I'm totally fine renting in California now. Uh, This is so easy, Erica. You win, you win. If you think that your tax bracket is going to rise in the future, there's absolutely no reason that you should be using a traditional retirement account. And in Erica's case, just think about this. She's young. And we're going to pay tax at the 24% tax bracket. There are three more brackets ahead of her, right? 32, 35, 37. And I think that what becomes clear as you look ahead is that, you know, thinking about budgets and deficits and the United States and the fiscal shape we're in, I think it's probably more likely than less likely that tax rates or rate or the brackets, they change and it's not going to change and go down. We're already at historically low rates. So I think the, the likeliest scenario is that you'd rather lock in your tax liability today when the rates are so low, the tax rates are historically low. Even if you do live in a high tax state, I know that sucks, but I would keep doing the Roth. Erica wins. Woo! Might have to give the partner the boot. 
I, uh, well, listen, maybe the partner wants to make a different case. I'm happy to hear that. No problem. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for giving us a holler, Erica. We appreciate it. I'm glad we could settle that out. All right. If you would like to send us your financial question, just go to our website, jillonmoney.com, jillonmoney.com, and click the Contact Us button. Do let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air. Like in this case, let's have Erica and the partner come on together. Wouldn't that be fun? We could settle it right then and there. You have a little financial disagreement between your partner, we'll bring you both on and we'll walk you through it. This could be a whole different part of our website, Mark, the couples therapy part. (laughs) All right. Don't forget, if you wouldn't mind to please leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this pod and do subscribe to our new service, not even new anymore, Jill on Money Live. That's where you have access to quarterly live webinars and lots of cool bonus content. Do me a favor, put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you tomorrow. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself. But even better, they've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.